Hello and welcome to Account Instruction Help and How To. In this lecture, we're going to be talking about partnerships and specifically the allocation of net income to the partnerships. We will be able to, at the end of this, describe the closing process within the partnership and the allocation of net income within that closing process. We're going to allocate net income to the partners with the partnership agreement, and that's going to include a salary allocation and the interest on the initial investment allocation. And these are going to be some kind of more complex types of allocation methods that we can have within a partnership. This being one of the major advantages of a partnership over a lot of different types of entities. That is that we have a lot of flexibility on how we're going to allocate the net income. And we can have a lot of different types of scenarios where partners are coming in with different investments and different skill levels. And the partnership setup is really one that provides a lot of flexibility within the partnership agreement to set up terms that could fit different types of scenarios and make everybody hopefully happy with the terms of the partnership agreement. So then we're going to create closing entries for the partnership and uh, explain the effect of the closing interest on the partnership and in particular, of course, the partner capital balances. Now, when we think about the partnership agreement, what we're going to do is look at the things that are going to be different than what we have seen before. So we're, th we're thinking all the, all the entries that we had before within the accounting department are going to be much the same. We're going to have income, we're going to have to send out bills, we're going to get invoices, we're going to have the journal entries, we're going to record those journal entries to the general ledger. We're going to take the general ledger and make the trial balance, we're going to make the trial balance, we're going to create the, fi the financial statements from them. Nothing's really different there within the sole proprietor or the corporation or the partnership. What does differ? Well, the partners. <laughs> There's going to be the cap, the equity section's going to differ. So in a sole proprietor, we have just one owner, and in a corporation, we have many owners, but it's going to be in the form of stocks. With a partnership, we're going to have multiple owners, meaning it's kind of similar to a sole proprietor where we have a capital account for the owner, but now we've got a bunch of capital accounts for however many owners we have. A partnership, by definition, means we have two or more. So that allocation between those owners' equity is going to be important. It used to be like when we closed out the net income, the net income would just be closed to the capital account. And in this case, we got the capital account represents, in all cases, the capital account represents what is owed to the owner. And if we have more than one owner, then we need to break out that capital account by what is owed to each owner. And that's going to be very important to keep the cohesion of the partnership so the partners know uh, kind of what their allocation of the business is at any given time. The terms of these conditions are going to be in the partnership agreement and I highly recommend even if a partners are good friends going into a partnership and they put in even investments that they should have a partnership agreement and lay the terms out very specifically so it is known exactly what the terms are and what the distributions will be. Now when I teach partnerships a lot of times people think that if two people are going into a partnership it should be even, everything should be even, split down the middle, that's the way it has to be. Uh, and that's the way it is. But in, in many different situations, even does not necessarily mean fair. So the whole point of a partnership could be <laughs> that we have two people with uneven skill levels and therefore they're trying to get together and put something together. And it's similar to like if we had a, two roommates going into uh, a new apartment and they're uh, roommates and one of the bedrooms is twice as big as the other bedroom. Is that things aren't even there. The two things aren't even. So how are you going to adjust for that problem? or that difference, well, the e easiest solution would be, well, one pays more of the rent <laughs> than the other one, or something like that. Or you could come up with some more creative solutions. You could say, well, how about one person does more of the uh, uh, utilities, or pays more of the utilities, or does more of the chores, and, and that way somehow compensates for the difference in the size of the room. 
we got similar issues with partnerships. I mean, one partner might be going into the partnership and they have a lot more skill level. If we're talking about mortgage brokers or something like that, maybe one person has a name that in the community and brings in a lot of clients and the other and the other partner does not. If that's the case, you know, they they should probably deserve more of the income because that's the goodwill of their name is probably the thing that's really drawn in uh, the customer base, at least at the beginning until things change. And that's the beauty of a partnership. Things can change and you can revisit it just like you could revisit the agreement on who's paying the rent. You can come up with a new agreement at a later time. It's just that that discussion of the new agreement needs to be constantly happening just like it does with any kind of agreement between people so that both sides feel that it's fair. Same needs to be done with the partnership. We can relook at the agreement later, but we want to make it fair so that the partnership can work. The other typical condition is that one partner has the capital and the other partner possibly has the idea and the skill. And the partner that puts down a lot of capital, probably meaning money, if they're putting down all the money for the startup to buy the building and put everything together, especially if it's something that takes a lot of money to start up, if we have a patented product or something like that, that we have to pay for the patent and we have to pay for all that kind of stuff, that that person putting the money down is probably going to want some uh, guarantee or some of a repayment on the investment. And that's going to be a common scenario as well that, that we're going to see that's not quite even when we first go into the investment because the person who put the money down has this more substantial investment at that point in time. Although over time, the person that is putting more time into the business will tend to have more invested as they put more time in. So that's the, the differences we got to think about when we look at these partnerships. So we're going to work through a problem first and we're just going to say that we have these three partners in this partnership and we're going to go through the closing process based on a partnership agreement that had agreed to uh, split the income in a particular way. So first I want to just imagine the trial balance what we have right now. We've done the, the transactions. We've done the adjusting process. We've made the financial statements. And now we're basically we're doing the closing process or the allocation of the income to the partners in this case. So if you imagine our T account, we got a trial balance. We've got the uh, big red T. We've got the assets on the left-hand side, including cash, accounts receivable, and uh, merchandise. And then we've got on the right-hand side of the big T in our trial balance, of course, accounts payable in yellow on the right-hand side. And then under the liabilities, assets, liabilities, then the capital accounts. Capital accounts, I'm, I'm imagining bright uh, blue. They're on the right-hand side. Now, now, before we only had one capital account because there's one owner. Now we're going to say there's three owners. So there's three capital accounts. There's a capital account for C. There's a capital account for owner X. There's a capital account for owner S. So we got three capital accounts. Then we've got the income statement under the capital accounts. We're going to have sales because they're selling stuff in this case. So the income is, an, is a, I'm going to say it's a navy blue. And our T account, it's on the right-hand side. It's a credit. And then we have the expenses and the wages, expense, and all the other expenses are going to be debit balances. They're going to be on the left-hand side, total debits equal total credits. Per the partnership agreement for these three individuals, this is what they came out to. They're saying that we have a salary agreement, meaning that uh, at the, the allocation of the net income, and the net income at this point in time is $80,000, and we'll talk about that closing process. The allocation they came to, instead of just having a percentage, meaning one-third each, they came to the allocation that first they're going to have salary allocations. And that means C is going to get 4,000, X is going to get 3,000, S is going to get 8,000. The three partners are going to get that allocation. Now, 
They call that a salary allocation when we talk about a partnership. And that's because it's going to be a fixed amount of the net income. However, it's not salary. So don't, that can be very confusing at first because we're not talking about wages. We're not talking about the fact that they're going to get withholdings on these taxes for payroll taxes. The reason it's going to be a salary is because it's just a fixed amount like a salary. So the yearly distribution has been determined to be these amounts as if similar to a salary not changing over time. But what it really is is a distribution. It's a withdrawal kind of like, well, it's not a withdrawal. It's a distribution of the net income to the capital accounts. All right. So and why would you come up with that kind of thing? Mainly, oftentimes, if you have one partner that works more in the partnership, you'd say, well, then we want a different salary allocation, a set allocation of the net income based on maybe the hours that are worked. The other common type of thing that we can have besides just the difference in split of the allocation of net income is to have an interest on capital investments. So, and we're going to say that is 10% in this case. So we're going to say whatever the capital investment was at the beginning, we're going to give a 10% return on that allocation of net income to that partnership, to that partner before we do whatever the other allocation is. And then, the, and then after those two allocations, then we're going to allocate whatever's left in terms of an even allocation, one third each. So note what's happening here. Instead of just having a one third allocation each, we're saying first, we're going to allocate a salary to each. Then we're going to allocate 10% to the beginning capital account to give an investment to those that actually put money into the cap, into the partnership and kept that money in there, put it at risk within the partnership. We're going to give a 10% investment. Then we're going to take whatever net income is, subtract out those two items, and whatever's left, that's what we will allocate on a one-third type of basis. So first things first, we're going to do our normal kind of closing entries here. I'm going to do the four-step kind of closing process. We're going to close out sales to an income summary. We're going to close out expenses to the income summary. And then we're going to close out the income summary to the capital accounts. In order to do that last step, uh, the last step before the draws at least, in order to do that step, we are going to need to do the allocation. We're going to have to figure out what the allocation is based on these terms that we just discussed with the salary and the interest. So in our case, we got sales. Sales is recorded on the trial balance at 150,000. Remember, it's a credit balance. It's income. Income is always a credit balance. We need to take that off the books if we're doing our closing process. And so therefore, the first closing process is going to be a debit to sales to make it go down to zero. So there's 150,000 in it. We need to make it zero. We're going to do the opposite thing to it in order to do that. We're going to debit sales by the 150000 What's the credit going to go to? Remember, in our closing process, we made up this new account. It's called an income summary account. It's a clearing account. We're going to put net income into it, basically, by sales first and then expenses. And that'll give net income in it. And then we're going to take net income out of it and put it into the capital accounts. This will give us kind of that check figure before we do the allocation. So therefore, the income summary account is going to be the credit. So we're going to debit sales, credit the income summary. If we were to post that, then sales would go from 150,000 credit down to zero, which is what we want. And the income summary would go from zero up to 150,000 credit. Next step, we're, we're going to say that we're going to close out the expenses. Now, in this example, just for a simplified example, we have two expenses. We have cost of goods sold, 60000 and wages of 10000 That's it. So we're going to say the cost of goods sold is an expense. Expenses have debit balances. We need to make it go down to zero for the closing process. How do I make something go down? We do the opposite thing to it. 
Therefore, the cost of goods sold is going to be credited. So I'm going to credit cost of goods sold in our closing entry, second of the four journal entries that we make generally for closing process. And then we're going to do the same thing for wages expense, has a debit balance in it. We need to make it go down. Therefore, we do the opposite thing to it, which in this case is a credit. So we're going to credit wages expenses. So now we've, we've credited uh, cost of goods sold. 60000 is what's in there. We've credited wages expenses. 10000 is what was in there. So that's what we took out. And now we need to debit something then for the 60 and the 10 for 70000 in order for the debits to equal the credits. And we're going to debit then the income summary, that clearing account. So we got a debit now for our second closing entry to the income summary for 70000 Then we credited cost of goods sold, 60000 credited wages expense 10,000. If we were to post that then, the income sum, well let's do the, the cost of goods sold had 60,000 in it, debit balance, we did the opposite thing to it, we credited it, and that makes it go down to zero. That's what we want to happen. And then the wages expense had 10,000 in it, we need to make it go down, so we did the opposite thing to it, bringing it down to zero. And then we put the difference into the income summary, which had 150,000 credit in it before, because we just closed out income into it, and now we debited it for 70000 the sum of all the expenses, leaving us with 80000 So a credit minus the debit, 80000 in it, and what is that 80000 of course? That's net income. So net income is there. So now we have net income in the income summary, and the entire income statement is zero. That's our check figure. We're saying, okay, now everything's in income summary. A lot of book problems, if you use uh, this four-step process, will we'll basically skip this whole process and just say, hey, whatever was in income summary before it closed out was 80000 and now you need to do the allocation. Well, in order to do that, you need to understand that the 80000 represents net income. You're allocating net income now to the capital accounts. So now that's what we're going to do. This is the new piece now where we have to then take that 80000 and say, well, now i got to close that out to the capital account. Well, normally I would debit the 80000 to make it go down to zero in the income summary and credit capital. But now I've got three people with capital accounts, and that's going to be, of course, the issue. So we've got to think about how we're going to allocate that 80000 to the capital accounts. In order to do that, we're going to set up our table. Our table is going to have the capital for partner C, partner X, and partner S, and that will sum up to the total. And then we're going to say, I'm going to have the first line on our table. So we're imagining a table, we're breaking this out. And we're going to say that we have 80,000. I'm just going to say that's the total that we need to allocate. So that's in the outer column. Before that, I got, I've got C's capital. I've got X's capital. I've got S's capital. And we're trying to figure out how to allocate out this 80,000. And we're going to do it in these three layers. Because remember, we said first we're going to have a salary allocation of that. Then we're going to have the, the percentage allocation of the capital accounts. And then we're going to allocate whatever the rest is. So I'm going to have a subtotal after each of those layers and say, all right, how much of the 80000 is left after the salary allocation? How much of the 80000 is left after we allocate to the percentage of the capital? And then how much do we have to allocate to make that 80000 go to zero? So first off, we said there's a salary allocation. Remember, this is just in the partnership agreement that they just said that there's going to be this allocation of salary before anything else. And they said it was 4000 to C. 3,000 to X and uh, 8,000 to S, which means that S is probably spending a lot more time actually doing the operations of the organization. That's why they would get a higher salary. So we're going to say that that means 4,000 C, uh, X, S, uh, 3,000 and S, 8,000 adds up to 15,000. That's going to be allocated. That's part of the 80,000 allocation. 
If we subtract out the 80,000 minus the 15 that has been allocated out then, we have 65,000 left to allocate. Next layer of that 65,000 that's still left over that we need to allocate, we're going to allocate on a basis of what was in the beginning capital account. So what we're going to do is look at the beginning capital account. We're going to take 10% of it and allocate wages based on that. You might be at, why would we do that? Because that beginning capital account represents the investment by the company, by that owner, to the partnership. And that investment is important. We need to have the partners, the partners are, are parking their money in the partnership, putting it at risk. And therefore, uh, we're saying, hey, we should give an investment, we should give a return on that investment. And the people that are putting more money in there that we are using in order to conduct the partnership should get a higher return because they're putting more money at risk. That would be the justification for uh, terms such as this. So in our example, we had beginning capital account for C was 144000 So at the beginning of the year, they had 144000 in the capital account. And therefore, we're going to take 10% of that, or 14400 And that's what we're going to allocate to C of the total 80000 net income. And then we had the same thing for X had 216000 in their beginning capital account. That's what was invested as of the beginning of the year into the partnership. And we're going to take 10%, 21600 and allocate that to X of the 80000 net income. And then finally, we have S at 120000 of capital as of the beginning, 10% being 12000 We're going to allocate 12000 to S of the 80000 now we're going to take that adds up if we take the 14.4 and the 21.6 and the 12,000 add up to 48,000. So remember, after we allocated the salary, we were left with 65,000 left from the 80,000 net income. <laughs> and now we're going to subtract out the 48 from this allocation based on the percentages. That leaves us with 17 left that we then need to allocate. And the partnership agreement says whatever's left now, we're just going to allocate evenly, one third each. So if we take that 17,000, divide it by three we get 5667 about and could be some rounding here and that's going to be our allocation between s x and s of the remaining 17,000 after the other two allocations we have then we can sum this thing up and we can say okay c had 4,000 salary 14,400 interest allocation of 5,667 from the balance allocation leaving given c 24,067 of the 80,000 net income. X had 3,000 from the salary, interest allocation 21,6, and the allocation of the interest at the end, 5,667, gives X partner allocation of 30,267. And then finally, S had 8,000 from the salary, 12,000 from the allocated, from the interest allocation, 5,677 from the balance allocation giving S 25,677. So when we close out this final journal entry, what we're saying is we have to close out the income summary of 80,000. We're going to make that zero. We're going to put it into the capital accounts, but we're going to allocate it to the capital accounts, not evenly, not one third each, but C gets 24,067, X gets 30,267, and S gets 25,667. That will be the allocation that we will use. If we then look at the journal entry, then we're going to say income summary debited 80,000 in order to make it go down. It goes down from a credit 80,000. We're going to make it go down by doing the opposite thing to it, debiting it 80,000. 
and then we're going to credit the capital accounts. And remember the capital accounts have credit balances. We're going to make them go up by the allocation of the net income to their particular account. Going up is a good thing. Going up means that the company owes them more money. Uh, theoretically, they can draw more out based on the, their capital account going up. So then we have C is going to be credited 2467 based on our table. X is going to be credited 30,267 based on our table. S is going to be credited 25,666 based on our table. If we record this, income summary, credit balance 80,000, we debited it, making it go down to zero. And then the capital accounts for C was before we post this at 144,000. We then credited it 24,067, making it go up to 168,67. And then X's capital account before this was 216,000. We credited it by 30,267, making it go up to 246,267. And then S's capital account was at 120,000. We credited it 25,666, making it go up to 145,666. So that would be the allocation of net income. That's the new thing that happened here. But there's one more step on our four-step process because that was step three of four of our closing entries. And step four, just like it is before, is to close out the draws. So any draws or withdraws that are on the books. Remember, we usually break those out separately. So when we had a sole proprietor, we had like the capital account. And then we had the draws. That's the stuff that the owner took out. They like paid themselves. Capital account representing the money owed to the owner. Draws representing the money that the owner took out. They paid themselves what basically the company owed it to them. We're going to break that in a separate account and then close it out to the capital accounts at the end. But now, of course, we have three owners and therefore we have three draws. So in our books, we have three draws. We had C had taken out of the company, drawn money out of 18,000. Uh, X had drawn out 38,000. S had drawn out 24,000. So now we need to make those go to zero, and then we need to put the difference into the capital account, just like we did before, but now we need to do it with three partners, so we're going to have a bit longer of a journal entry. So we're going to say, all right, so C had 18,000 debit, because it's a contra-asset account, it's bringing down the total capital. We need to make it go down, so we're going to do the opposite thing to it. We're going to credit that uh, C's draw account by 18,000. And then we saw that the draws for X, in this case, has 38,000 draws, debit balance. We need to make it go down. So we're going to do the opposite, credit the withdrawals for X, 38,000. And then we see that S, in this case, has 24,000 in draws. We need to make it go down. So we're going to do the opposite. We're going to credit draws for 24,000. And then all we're going to do is debit the respective capital accounts in our journal entry. So we, so we saw that draws for C was 18. We're going to debit the capital account for 18. So we're debiting capital, 18. We're crediting draws to make draws go to zero, put the difference into the capital. And then for X, we credited 38,000 to draws. We're going to put that into the capital account, 38,000. Or we're going to decrease the capital account, might be a better way to say it, 38,000, because the capital account represents the money owed to the owner and it's going to go down. And then we have the S corporate, the partner S has uh, 24,000. And therefore, we're going to debit 24000 to capital. So if we post this then, for example, C's capital account is going to go down by from the 16867 credit. We debited the capital account, making the capital account go down to 150167 And C's withdraws then goes from 18000 
down in the credit direction. It's a debit balance account. It goes down in the credit direction to zero. And then X's capital account had 246, 267 in it. We debited it, making it go down for the draws that were taken out of it by 38,000, leaving a credit balance of 208, 267. And then the draws were 38,000. Debit balance, we credited them to make them go down by the 38,000, making it go down to zero. And then S's capital count, 145,666. We debited it by 24,000, putting the draws into it, making them go down by draws to a credit of 121,666. And then S's draws account was a debit of 24,000. We credited it, making it go down to zero. So now we're left, if we look at our closing trial balance after all this, we're left with a similar closing trial balance as the, as the sole proprietor in that all we have are the capital accounts withdraws and all income statement accounts are now zero as well as the income summary allowing us to then start the process over next time. The only difference being that we have three capital accounts now. We have the C's capital account, we have the capital account for X, and we have the capital account for S. And then all the draws are zero, all the income statement accounts are zero, letting us go forward. Also want to point out a few variations that you might have seen when we did this allocation, when we broke out the allocation between the salary, the interest, and then the balance. You might have asked, well, what happens if we allocate the salary according to the partnership agreement and the allocation of the salary and the allocation of the interest are greater than the income? Meaning, what if the allocation of the salary and the allocation of the interest added up to something like 100000 and we only had net income of 80000 well, then what would happen is the balancing allocation, usually depending on the partnership agreement, but usually the balancing allocation would then be negative. Then we'd have to say, okay, now we have uh, this 20000 that we've got to reduce the capital accounts by evenly one-third each. And that's something that really needs to be taken into account when we're considering the partnership agreement, how we're going to deal with a case like that or a case of a loss in, in the partnership because uh, it could end up with some unexpected results. <laughs> when something like that happens and something to consider beforehand. 